Welcome to Archive TV. I've got a pretty special episode for you guys. This is Ken, the original Oregon kid from online. And, uh, you know, we're going to kind of recount some of the stories and a lot of genetic history and a lot of a lot of shit people don't know about, a lot of characters in the scene that people don't know about that have contributed. And I think if you guys are big in the hash scene or flower, but in particular hash, you guys will know Banana OG. You'll know one of his biggest contributions to the scene. And, you know, we'll just kind of get some stories about it. Um, how you doing, Ken? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, man. Just happy to have you over here and just kind of go through some, some of the stories and reminisce on this shit because... We've known each other 20 years now, and uh, a lot of shit has happened and changed. I mean, you've known me since I was like 18 years old. Yeah. You know, why don't we kind of just start with like how we first met, you know, and and all that kind of shit. Because like basically I was, I was living in Seattle at the time growing weed. We kind of had a mutual friend that we'll talk about later, this guy John, uh, who was uh, um, a member on Cannabis World. Yeah. And you started up, and you were Oregon kid, and you're the dude showing everybody your ass in a room full of OG, telling everybody you're getting seven to eight thousand dollars a pound, and no one really believes you. So you know, tell me a little bit about what was going on back then for you. Well, um, when I first started growing, I started growing with these other guys, and their weed was all right, but not very good at all, and it was hard to get you know four thousand for it and stuff like that, and. I had met some other kids earlier in my life and I ran into them again later on by accident and um, they introduced me to some friends and were like, hey, we can give you a better strain. So they gave me the Bubba Kush, this guy Bernie. And um, at that point, I started growing it out and at first I was selling it at 6,000 a pound to people and I met this kid JBD Mike he works at Nug now is JBD meaning Jerome Baker designs the pipes or it's no it's because he wanted what happened there was a Jerome Baker contest at one of these weed stores and he came into the store and he made a weed cake to enter because they were having a bake-off got it so he won <laughs> a big Jerome Baker bong there yeah and I met him there and we started talking and after that he started buying weed for me and he was telling me, you know, oh, I can get this price, that price. So at some point I raised my price up to $7,200 because I couldn't keep the weed in hand. like For the Bubba. For the Bubba. Yeah. And this was late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And it was selling just off the hands. Like there, there was no, like I was buying everybody's crop. Like I took the clone that I got and we had six other houses. So I was going to all the guys. All in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Yeah all the guys that had started me growing in one of the houses and gave them the cut so that the clone was in all of our hands but I get all the weed back. Yep, yep. So at that point I'm paying them 5000 a pound to grow it. Great deal. And I'm taking um, it and selling it for 7200 And after that, um, with Josh D and then they saw that and they were selling their weed at first their OG for like 350 to 400 as well and the Bubba and the OG came from them essentially by way of this yeah. mutual friend yes. Bernie essentially Bernie, yeah. right but and both your OG and Bubba cut came from him uh, no I got the, the OG cut by buying it from Josh's partner Sean got it okay 
and Bernie had gotten it from the, the Bubba from them from in a previous yeah. transaction of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was in with that whole crowd. Like yeah. It was they they were a tight circle of people, like eight or nine guys that hung out in the circle. There was Blake and Kenji and Kenji from Be Real. Yep, yep. And um Josh D and this guy, um Doobie and um a couple other guys, you know, that were all in this little crew and Kodiak. And Kodiak now he has some big grow out in um Oklahoma where they're like one they were like 750 acres of flavor i don't know if you remember seeing that oh yeah yeah like truck. 500 acres of flavors yeah, or something growing, yeah yeah that's those guys okay so he was an original og member as well yeah essentially so, that uh, the the california crew of og yeah. let's call it because yeah. there's also the florida josh connection yeah. as well he which was, is kind of yeah not not those, either of our stories at yeah, least involved those yeah. were all those those kids that were yeah. together and Josh's, my friend Doobie was working for Josh's partner and he told me he could get me the OG cut. I met with them and they wanted five pounds of weed back grown. Basically, at, you know, it's 8,000 a pound, so 40 grand. Yep. And he wanted um, like five grand or something up front, you know. So I gave him that money and I got the cut and then started doing that and then paid them off for it and was able to grow it, sell it, and I made seeds of it after that because I figured I paid so much for it that I could do what I wanted with it, kind of, and pissed everyone off over there, but... Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you had purchased it, yeah. you know? It's one thing, uh, a transaction is a transaction at the end of the day. Uh, it's another thing if you make yeah. a deal with somebody yeah. and say, hey, I'm going to do this, but, you know, whatever, whatever your I arrangement is, a purchase no. is a purchase. Yeah, they never said anything about not making seeds or selling sure. or anything. They weren't even thinking about no. that, probably. I mean, at that time, well, first of all, making feminized seeds was brand spanking new in terms of yeah. technological information, early 2000s. We had only learned about that in the maybe late 90s through, um, I think it was Skunkman Sam that kind of dropped breadcrumbs online about it. And then finally, Hybe, who's actually local here in Oregon, um, the, the guy that did all the breeding with the ABC, the Australian yeah. Bastard Cannabis, you remember that stuff? Um, he was the first one to make the Elite X Elite spray, right? That oh, was okay. being sold on Heaven Stairway, right? Okay. You remember that yeah. product. And that was probably, was that the first product you used or did um, you make your own? No, I, I, there was a girl named Golden Eyes online. I remember her, yeah. And she was from up here yep. in Eugene. And I worked with her to where she made the spray out of gibberellic acid. Got it. And then did the work for me with me on the plants because she had an open room where I didn't have space. Got it. So I took plants out there, had her do that. And so you had come up from LA, yeah. brought the plants to Golden Eyes in yeah. Oregon, and she did the feminization for the first right, Cali Kush yeah. seeds. Yeah. Got it. And, and those were, what were those seeds that you released? Oh, those were the... They called them ogres. S That's right, ogres. <laughs> but yep. it's supposed to be O-G. Yep, but O-G apostrophe E-R-S. E yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and you'll see people continue to this day confuse that with the ogre Kush, which was yeah. like a Sensi Star yeah. clone that got sold at the clubs down there. Totally different thing. But the uh, the ogres was basically ogres Kush S1. That was the first yeah. ones being first OG Kush seed sold. Online or probably anywhere in the world. Well, before that, uh, 
uh, C3 tried to release the OG mm-hmm. S ones, and all the ones that he released hermed out. Uh, you, I'm pretty sure you sold seeds before he did. He tried to sell them off of um, Heaven Stairway. Yeah, and that was after you had released them on Cannabis World, on Seabay, though. Okay, I thought yeah. it was right before me. I don't think so, because they received their clone from you, that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they beat you to the punch on that, because their product was being sold on the actual Heaven Stairway website where you could purchase the seeds. Yeah. And I remember as a fucking auction hound seeing your auctions on Seabay, okay. right? Or, or your products, being, products were being, being sold, sold as you, probably by John. Well, um, actually, I went through Gypsy. Gypsy was on, yeah. no, on Seabay, though? Because Gypsy wasn't on, on Cannabis through, World. On the first, the first ones that went to, I called Gypsy Nirvana. Okay. And I packed them in the plastic signs that you put out, like, for your front yard for sale I remember signs. that, yeah. Filled them all in there, put little, you know. Cotton swabs on the end. swabs in the end. Taped it all up. Put pictures on it, glued it on the front so it looked like a kid's picture and shit. Okay. Packaged it up and sent it off to Europe. And then before that, I was just like, I was like talking to people on um, Cannabis World and Overgrow. And like I was selling clones or selling C's that way to people too. Well, and that's how 3C's got their clone. Because 3C's was Ghost and two other members essentially, right? That became a seed company. And you had sold, so... Well, let's get into the ghost OG at least specifically because it's relative to this story. You um, sold the clone to Ghost One, the Cannabis World member or Overgrow member, and how did that go down? Um, we talked on it. He sent me half the money down. I agreed to send him the cut with half down, thinking that he was going to be an upstand guy. <laughs> sent him the cut, and then. Um, never heard from him again that way, brushed me off, never paid me. And then later on, this guy Dave from RDC, which is a medical club in the San Fernando Valley, yep. received a discount caregivers. Yep. He went up to San Francisco or passed there a little bit and met with some guys and bought some weed. And they were like, we got our cut from Ghost One in Michigan and we're calling our weed the Ghost. And it came down, and they were selling it as Ghost at the RDC. And then RDC took that cut too with their own into their, you know, stable. And I gave it to them, and then named it Diablo, and started selling it out of their clubs. The Diablo OG. Got it. So Diablo OG, at least the one, the original one that was being sold, RDC, which is where most people that have a named OG either got it from, purchased it from the guy they purchased it from, or the weed they're referencing. They purchased it from all the private reserve triple x's and yeah. we'll get into those a little bit more too but basically um trying to think where we at so basically like you were selling the the ghost og clone or you were selling og kush clones online and yeah. bubba kush clones online yeah and the green crack man was one of those people that purchased from you as well was he not do you remember him i don't remember he's the person that 
Katsu got his. Oh, Katsu. Okay. Right. So I, you didn't sell it directly to Katsu, though, did you? Did no, you? I don't think so. Yeah, and I think he purchased it from this guy, Cream Crack Man, and he. I don't remember well, where exactly he got it from. I thought Root Boy was involved in that, too, to where. He could have been as well. There was also, you remember the Mint Bubba, which was like yeah, an S1 came. that the East Coast Kush guy had? There was the Chocolate Mint Bubba. Right. And that had came through my seeds. Right. That was right. an S1 of. The original Bubba clone you yeah. got. And then there was also a cherry Bubba, too. It actually tasted, you know, cherry. Yeah. Also. I don't know how that happened. To the well, so I got when we had our mutual friend up here in Washington. And that was Diamond, right? And then yeah. his other partner. And you'd given them a bunch of cuts. And that's kind of how I got my hands on some stuff. One of those being the Blackberry Bubba. There was the just straight Bubba Kush. And then there was also a purple Bubba Kush. That you'd given them. Do you remember what that one was? The purple Bubba Kush? Yeah. Um, there was... Um, it's a little bit called, chunkier, purple. Called Purple Rhino. And there's this guy, Hal, that was from... Um, what's the name of the city? He's from the Northern Cal... Um, I'm trying to think. Later, it'll hit me and I'll tell you this. Yeah. Um, Garberville. There yeah. we go. And... He got some different weed called the Blood's Eye OG, which or Blood's Eye Bubba, and um, this other weed called the Purple Rhino. And that Purple Rhino, they have been growing it forever. It has like a weird pasty taste to it, but tastes like Bubba, and just a little bit different flavor, like sweeter or something like that. I don't remember mm -hmm. the exact taste. It's been a long time since I smoked it. Yeah, but I know it had like a weird pasty taste to it. Like it was, it's hard to describe, but it was like paste <laughs> yeah sticky yeah yeah it weird. sticks to you yeah. yeah and that's the one actually that the blackberry was crossed to too yeah that i had crossed that with the bubba the purple rhino with the bubba when i s1 everything so some of those seeds got mixed in with those bubba s1s from that purple rhino mm-hmm so there's Triple Rhino S1s and Bubba S1s in that sag. Got it. So some people got different stuff. So even in the Bubba S1s, that first hit, you know, whether whether the the chicken or the egg came first with three Cs, yeah. it, regarding your seeds that went out, the Bubba Kush S1s that went out, those had some Purple Rhino and, uh, Easter eggs in there. Yeah, that were crossed with the Bubba. Well, I do know that I had the Blackberry Bubba clone from... Diamonds, yeah. buddy, but that that was your selection, yeah. and that thing was like Skittles before it was Skittles. Yeah. It had this. You ever smelled Mendo Perp before? Had that incensey purple Skittly candy thing, but then like that Bubba uh, yeah. incense and cushiness on the back end, yeah. and it was Hermy, which is why I didn't like it. Right? If you like had a little light leak or something, it would actually like it all flowered all the time. Yeah, and yeah. it just had these other weird traits, but. Um, fuck what's that weed tasty. I mean, it just like, if you smoked it, I used to call it the one block radius. Cause if you smoke it and you're like on a street corner or bowling at a bowling alley or some shit and people on the other side of the block in the parking lot, they're like, who the fuck's smoking weed out here? It just smells like good weed. And it is like a one block radius on a good smell on that shit. Yeah. That stuff was incredible. Yeah. It was great daytime smoke. Like, yeah. It, it wasn't. Slam you. No. No. It just. Tasted really great. Gave you a nice bellow high, and the women love that weed. Uh, it was 
I mean, it, like I said, it was like Skittles, but but it was big. Try. I mean, it was it, there were a lot of things better about it than Skittles. That's for sure. Um, you know, and Skittles in it are a little bit different, but they had that same really rich, fruity, loud taste and smell. You know, that stuff was awesome. And I mean, kind of moving into that stuff too. Um, you know, you did the first sour Kush essentially that I'm aware of. Yeah. The first one that anybody ever talked about, knew of, and that was Soma's NYCD crossed with your OG clone. Is that right? Yeah. And um, I also remember that I got a clone from John that was a sister of it that we ended up calling Smelly It, right? And it was an interesting plant, way more NYCD dominant. Yeah. Uh, kind of had that orangey, a lot of orange hairs, longer flower period, that kind of bitter orange, but a, yeah. this like... I used to call it purple floor cleaner, you know, like the Febreze yeah. or the, the, um, fabuloso floor cleaner, like that kind yeah. of smell mixed with, you know, the cushy OG bitter orange is really tasty. I've got seeds of that too, but it hasn't hybridized well for me for some reason. <laughs> Must be the NYCD Dom part of it because the Kush dominant clone that I had gotten from Diamond and them was some funk. It was like OG, but with a extra halitosis Kush funk to it. That thing was really good. You remember that thing? Yeah. And uh, that was a good plant. It was really sticky. I remember that too. Yeah. Really, like, really resinous. I liked going through the NYCD OG crosses. Found quite a bit of different things through it. I only ever saw those two. Your quote-unquote sour Kush clone. And then an unnamed one that we just called Smelly It. Because I, my friend Elliot grew it the first time, and it stank, and that was kind of his nickname. Um, and then probably the most influential of all these varieties, right, is the banana OG. Yeah. And I think, you know, tell me, you know, how you made that and, and where that came from. Okay, Seabay. I was on Seabay, and I was just buying seeds, and then I saw an auction on there. And it was like buy an ounce of seed, and it was like 200 bucks. So I bought it, and it was um, said 60/40 on the bag. That's why I called it the 60/40. Yeah. Know, and stuff like that with it. Um, but it was by Sagamartha Seeds, and what I found out from Tony from Sagamartha is that what he had done, he's gone out and he picked out a bunch of different variety of seeds from different places in the world and different people buying stuff up. And he ran through his different seeds and he didn't, you know, find what he was really looking for in the beginning of what he had found. So he sold off those seeds pretty cheap off to Gypsy and stuff like that. So at that point, Gypsy put them up for auction and I bought them and I hunted probably like through maybe 150 to 250 seeds in the bag. And like five of them came up just stinking like banana you know like when I grew it out the plant was short and bushy and it grew like these really sticky stinky banana gooey buds really frosty really pretty and fucking the problem was is when we smoked the weed there was no high zero high there and I was like well fuck how do I get this to get me high because I want this flavor you mm -hmm. know and there was a male in those seeds, so I took that male in the beginning and it was sticky too and smelled like the banana too. And I hit that to the OG. 
and then I hunted those to find the original banana OG, and then I sold a bunch of those original F1 crosses to Gypsy and some to Dr. Chronic, and then they were sold off that way, but it was only like maybe 40, 40 to 50 packs worth of seeds. Of the banana OG. Yeah. But like the Bubba S1s, you put out a lot. That, it, 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 I, remember, I remember them being available. I had a bag. You know, yeah. Then, and then the Ogers, Kush also, like which Golden Eyes yeah. had made. So, yeah, yeah. you had 10,000. 10, okay. And was there anything else potentially mixed up in those Oger S ones? No. Okay. So it was they only the Purple Rhino that was potentially mixed up in the first bubbles. Got it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I even learned that's stuff that I haven't heard from you. You yeah. know, like. Parts of the story that I haven't even heard yet, too. Yeah, you know, see, there is also like what I did on the side is like I had grown out a bunch of plants that I liked. Also, like mm -hmm. the young bull and I, had I remember that. And I had a bunch. I don't even remember like a bunch of the seeds that I had bought. I grown. Yeah, out, and then I took. That's all that was really available back yeah. then, right? Yeah. yeah so I took clones wasn't even big in like in SoCal. Late '90s, early 2000s, all those dispensaries clones were rare, rare unless they had yeah. come from NorCal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I remember Yumbolt being one of the ones for sure that you were. Yeah. That was like in your arsenal. Yeah, so I just hit those seeds, and then I collected all those seeds, like just a, like a bag seed, you know, and put them all together of everything, and didn't really like separate them. Well, you were just looking for quality at the end for, of the day. Yeah, searching and hunting to try to find something new that I could present a new clone out of something tasty. And at that point, I ended up sending seeds with Rude Boy out of town. And that's how, too, that they found, he found some other stuff that was really good up there. Mm -hmm. And then I guess when I sold them some OG plants or... Um, bags of OG and stuff like that is where he said he first found either there or another guy's bag that he found the Irene yeah. seeds in that he wasn't sure but it was one of our bags or one of the other friend's bags that he had found those seeds in. It, that would make sense. I mean, our my, having grown the Irene, the Bubba, the OG, yeah. all this for so many years, the Irene strikes me as some sort of Bubba OG hybrid mixture, yeah. mixture of some sort could have been a cross of one of those then crossed or who kn who knows but it yeah. there's not a lot of notes in it that aren't bubba or og no matter yeah. how you grow it <laughs> and the one thing i really like about the irene is when you smoke that weed and you put out the joint and you relight it it still tastes just like lighting a brand new joint almost i agree it's it's a very unique taste it doesn't have um a really the strongest smell necessarily no. you know it's more herbal in the jar just yeah. kind of it's not as strong smelling as like a good batch of just old og oh, the, the, yeah. the original cut but it has this sweet yeah. mixture between og and bubba it's not as strong as either parent but it's a nice mix of the two it's like gravy on your mashed potatoes yeah it's crazy because like if you light up a regular og joint it takes a minute before it tastes mm -mm. again if it's been burnt yeah, yeah, so yeah. When you light up that weed, it's just the instant flavor again, like you. Just and Bubba's kind of a little more like that too, like where that it's too. got that instant, inst yeah, instant incensiness to it. It has a distinct, more distinct smell in the air, whereas the OG is just more that cushy funk, fuely. It's almost like uh, you know, burning rubber when you t when you first light it back up, just because it's just 
yeah. fuely. Yeah. It's just fuely. I really liked the Bubba. You know, it was a really awesome joint smoke too. Yeah, I agree. When you grow Bubba the right way, there's like two ways you can grow Bubba. You either over fertilize it, it's like big stems, small blown out nuggets, kind of yeah. smokes like shit. Or you get it where it like has OG shaped nugs. Yeah, the big colicky nugs and all that. Big blown out nugs, real sticky and not dry. And that herb is, if you cut it a little early, yeah, yeah. phenomenal. Oh, yeah, fire. Yeah. And I mean, I've even seen stuff cut in the you know, 42, 45, 47 days in greenhouses. Yeah. That just phenomenal tasting Bubba. Oh, it, you know, awesome. Skittles, I think, is another great example of a strain that where the flower will taste a little better, yeah. cut a little early. It's just because okay. I think a lot of the resin just over matures on the plant as the plant material is trying to mature. Yeah. And then you just end up with a, a more hashy flavor instead of the brightness of the, the of all fresh resin. Yeah. Um, so let me think, where can we go? So where'd you get, where'd you, why'd you come up with Oregon Kid? I lived in LA and weed was illegal and online stuff was new. My parents, my mom was from Oregon, my dad's from Washington, so I used to like hanging out up in Vernonia and stuff like that where we lived and going out to the mill and catching snakes and running around and I was just like, well, why don't I put myself somewhere else other than where I'm at right now? And <laughs> we were using um, we're using your neighbor's Wi-Fi. We're <laughs> <laughs> um, using um, where you go online, and you sign on through someone else's. Um, it's like hacked internet, and then go to to serve to your server. Yeah, yeah, like a um, proxy. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. One of my friends back in the day, Adam, you know, does computer internet security and all that stuff came over and set it up for me and stuff nice. so i told him hey i'm on this weed stuff and i give him weed and he was like oh, you better do it this way if you're trying to hide <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I, I just didn't want to have a name that was like here i'm from cali you know but that's why i called it cali kush seeds though when it came out because the seeds were bred out in cali and stuff like that yeah um, yeah, because, I mean, you basically made a pretty big name for yourself online there early on, you know, because no one really believed, A, what you were talking about in terms of the prices you were getting, yeah. and then, B, you were willing to put put up the evidence, right, in a more um, uh, in-your-face way than anybody else was. You know, yeah. the, the two pictures I particularly remember was, the you know it's probably like 70 grand in cash or something like that on the kitchen table or, or on the kitchen island right yeah just i think i think he had shown like you know 10 pounds of weed or something like that right right before it and then the next picture was the pile of cash and then and then you in your room with the dutch leech trays on both sides Right, like the little trays with the block with the rock oil in them, yeah. and you just with your white fucking mooning the everybody, <laughs> and and so who were you mooning? Who was talking shit that time? Oh, man. Or what were they? What were they telling you that made you and, and made you pissed enough that you were like, you know? They told me that the picture of the room that I put up and the picture of the scissors in the tray that I had put up were pictures out of High Time magazines, 
and we're trying to quote certain magazines and this and that. <laughs> so I got irritated and was like, fuck this, and I went back upstairs and pulled my pants down and was, hung a sign on my back that said, you know, this is me or whatever, you know, Oregon kid or whatever, yeah. take a picture or fuck you or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever I wrote on that picture. I and, don't remember either. I don't remember either. Back then took that picture, went back up and posted that online to be like, look, okay, there's the same room. There's me standing in the room with my ass out in your face telling you to fuck off. <laughs> to go ahead and kiss this, you know. I think that's what I said, kiss my ass or whatever. Totally. <laughs> kiss this or something. Because I was so mad about it, like, I'm not here to lie about shit. I'm here to tell you, hey, this is what we're going through right here. People out here are different in L.A. And people have money and are willing to pay, you know. Like, when I was hustling on the street, other things, I was buying weed. And some of the weed I was buying, I can say I have never smoked weed as strong as that still, you know. Yeah. Now, was there very, back then, were there very many growers in L.A.? When you consider how much population there is? You, you, you couldn't find them like that. It, it was very you private. Couldn't, you couldn't find... It was hard to find indoor weed, period, yeah. back then. Yeah, that, was, that was my memory. Like, most of what our I weed remember, came from the, the Humboldt area brought down and from the Bay Area. If you were smoking good weed. Yeah. But what I remember... Like, one thing I remember is, like, when I first started smoking, like, you know, early 2000s. You know, 01, 02. Um... I remember that up here, and I'd come from the East Coast, I had seen swag, but I didn't start smoking weed until I saw good weed, because I was like, yeah. I don't know, I, I learned, I, I had the liberty of learning about okay. um, weed on the internet, and I'd kind of seen, and I was like, well, that brown shit doesn't really look like weed. Now, don't get me okay. wrong, I've smoked an ounce or two of swag in my I've life. I've smoked a lot of swag. But California, I remember, people were still smoking tons of brick weed, and tons yeah. of really like bad quality weed, like even when we first met. That would not fly up here. Oh, back even then. after that, look. Yeah. Even to the point before I moved right back up here, when I was hanging out with the boy, he showed me a big ass brick like this of brown stress. Yeah. All crazy, and I was like, "What are you gonna do with that?" He's like, "People still want it." And I was just like, <laughs> "Wow." But yeah, look, way, way, way back in the day, I was lucky when I first started to smoke weed. I started to met these Filipino kids, and they sold me some skunk. And it was bomb. And that's the first weed I ever smoked, and it got me high as fuck. And gave me the munchies and all that. After that, later on in life, when I was trying to find weed, like what you say, there was only, here and there, you could find a green bag, but most of the time, you're buying stress. Some of it was good. Some of it was really, really bad, and filled with tons and tons of seeds. Mm -hmm. And then there was sometimes, there was like a pretended cutout where they had a really good green bud that was sticky and with purple in it and still squashed just like stress it came in bricks but it was soft and it smelled good and it had no seeds yeah and it tasted all right and it was more expensive mm -hmm. but yeah if we go back down to the days i was you know selling you know 10 bricks here 50 bricks there you know of stress you know yeah well in california well, it was like that for a lot longer well, than the yeah. northwest i would say like i always find this an interesting thing is like a lot of the more modern generation of like weed smokers it's all it's always this like california centric kind of thing about weed and the thing is is like i remember be like all the good weed and strains and stuff when i first started learning about came from everywhere 
It was California was like only known at that time to me for train wreck, and then until you came around, almost nothing else. It was known as a place for us up here in Washington and Oregon as a place you could sell the weed that's hard to sell up here. You could send it to California and get three thousand dollars a pound all day long. Oh yeah. I mean, all my buddies in NorCal that had access to good strains, all the you know forum members and people from CW and everything. They were all getting three plus thousand dollars for outdoor down there to local people because they were good growers with good strains. Yeah. Well into 2008, 9, 10, 11, you know, yeah. easily getting great prices. When we, I'd never, you couldn't sell outdoor up here, really. You know, like no. I would go down there and get that same weed from them in California and bring it back up here, and I'd spend three months trying to get rid of like 10 pounds. And it was shit for, and I was getting rid of it for like twenty five or something, and they're selling it for thirty two in Sacramento with yeah. no problem. And I'm like trying to, you know, I'm taking like, I'm taking ten right after I finish trimming and like paying myself a little bit with it because I think I can make a little money and I bring it back up here and I can't even sell what he's getting it for down there. I'm like, fuck, I should have just gotten paid cash. And I was just, I literally went down there and trimmed for my buddy just for the experience. It was just fun to like. Yeah. work on 99 fucking five pound plants and shit and take <laughs> pictures and i have i have pictures this was uh you remember shaw bud or uh, 707 seed bank is what he is now okay. yeah. i'd given him like this malawi um clone that we used to grow up here okay. that made the malawi and haze and it was like you know end of october early november the thing probably still had another six weeks on it he ended up flowering it until like uh you know, end of December or something. Oh, I guess wow. it came out great, but I got these great photos of, like, a, I was out in the garden early one morning taking photos with, like, a three-megapixel digital camera, <laughs> which was, like, game-changer in 2006 or whatever. <laughs> and uh, the praying mantis flies right over my head, lands on top of, like, a big, huge bud, bud. Oh, and I get these great photos of... Uh, praying mantis on a malawi gold bud in you know sierra nevada and mountains oh, uh sunrise cool. pretty cool you know it's just it was a different time back then in terms of just it felt like a special moment because fuck where are you gonna get a five pound plant it's like the, it was oh. hard to find hard to have friends that had gardens mm. like that they were very rare and they were extremely rare in california there was Way more grows, I thought, in Washington and Oregon, like per person back then, than there were in California. California was a really Southern restrictive California. state. I mean, they bust everybody. One light, ten lights, you name it, they're coming in. Yeah. That Which you had some experience with that as well. Well, at, you know, yeah. 2000, you know, years after the dates we're talking about. Even. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. once medical was already crushing, they were still uh, blowing people too. back in California. Very much so. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people forget that, like, you know, California wasn't always the epicenter, really, of the weed scene other than humboldt trinity always had their thing yeah. but there were pockets like that all over the country that had their own strains and that's why when you look at all the strains that have kind of collected in the like when you were getting and sending clones back in the day clone were you sending them to people in california more so than everywhere else no me either in I fact it was mostly not people in california for me especially with the strain trade i mean like shroomy 
was like Pennsylvania. A lot of the guys were in New York. There was guys in uh, West Virginia, yeah, Michigan, Maine. Maine. I mean, they Florida. were everywhere. Florida. I even sent to Denmark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Cornbread Ricky sent me the TK from Florida. And I right? sent to Wally Duck, too, in Australia. Australia. I mean, this it was everywhere. Yeah, it was like, and, and good strains weren't geographic centric it wasn't like oh shit from cali's better than this than this strain from somewhere else it was like everybody was interested in your diesel and your this and it, it, everything sounded good and amazing and there was no market pressure to say oh it's got to be purple or it's got to be this yeah, it no. was like who's got good shit that's all i care yeah like way way back in the day when i first started smoking we, i knew this kid named little c and he lived in North Hollywood, over by North Hollywood High by the park. And he used to sell doves, point sevens and stuff, way back then. Yeah. And I was like, I had friends who were friends of his, so I met with him and he would buy weed for me and through other people. But we would trade weed too. And like, the weed that back then really had no names. They just called it KGB or well, this is the Canadian or this is that or this is that. And some of the weed that we would get is was better than what we're smoking today in a lot of these stores or what's out there and it's not like it, it came from all over like what you say different people were bringing it in from different places from different grows that they're getting and the weed was amazing and even with with talking with all the different people on cannabis world and overgrow like what you were saying doing these trades we're trading with people in all different states and all that and getting stuff back from them so their cuts from their states are coming here and getting grown too. Shouldn't be being claimed as they were a California weed strain if they came from someone who was in Kansas or in Michigan or in you know Louisiana or anything like that. It should be where it came from, you know. I think it but, should be like citizenship, right? Yeah. Where you were born, that's where you get your passport from, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And not a lot of not not nearly as many strains as people associate with California have a California passport. A lot of lot of foreign passports. Yeah. Um, a lot of them made their name in California, but that's true for anything that hits Hollywood, right? Yeah. You know, OG was the one that hit Hollywood. And I think, you know, you and Josh and, and that crew, and particularly you for the internet really knowing about OG, between them, your whole crew and your area, plus the internet notoriety and the way that you kind of let the world see what it truly was yeah. um I mean, really as really made the og popular. thing it was exactly yeah, there's the popular by me putting out their seeds and putting out their strains and seeds and giving everyone else a chance to have the opportunity to grow these strains i felt like this inside if i hoard this and i took me so hard to get this it cost me so much and time and effort beyond the money and trade, just being able to meet these different people and earn my way into these people's lives. And then I bought $180,000 in seed first, shopping, mm. before I got the OG clone. Trying to find OG seeds or where it came from or what it was. And the guys told me that I, well, that I was friends with Doobie that got me the cut through Josh's partner, said, hey, stop buying seeds, bro. You're never gonna find it that way. Mm -hmm. you, I can get you the cut, 
because this isn't from seeds. This is from some other state, then it came from a clone-only plant, and this and that. So that's why I ended up buying that at that money, too. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fuck it. I want everybody to enjoy these strains as much as I am. And I think it's only fair if I make it more available. If I lose it, there's going to be a way to get it back. Yeah. Well, that was a, a real concern as well back then. Yeah. Losing access because to your shit. Because getting raided well, all and, the time. Too. Well, and there were so few like growers that you really knew. I mean, even all of us were going on the internet to find other growers that we had this kinship with. Yes. Because there were so few growers that not only did you not want to out yourself on a local level, yeah. like no local growers, because now you're both in the same you know, police pool, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. But uh, they just weren't there. Like, here's one thing I also find funny is like almost all the strains, when you look at strain lineage and all this stuff nowadays, you can almost tie all of it when it's when you look at its base pairs back to varieties that were released on the internet. It's either that or Canadian slash Dutch stuff. Yeah. There's not very many like things that made it through without having ever hit the internet to become distributed nothing you, you know it's like purple urkel was a localized variety but then once it hit the internet yeah, through yeah. caleb or whatever now it really became what it truly is today yeah. and it was the internet that really helped um well yeah spread the diversity but now that the market has become globalized or nationalized the amount of varieties that people are willing to grow because of the markets um, demands in terms of like purple or yeah. potency or whatever we've lost a lot of these old varieties because one thing i wanted to say really quick earlier was um like for you guys you're getting seven grand for og right and that was like people oh, like eight eight, eight even <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever people were willing to pay the funny thing is like i got the clone I remember I have another friend from LA and he's the one that popped the bag seed that became the poison OG. Yeah. And he lived up here. I met him. He had an OG. I ended up getting the stuff from our mutual friend. And I was growing those up here. And he ended up moving back to LA to like take advantage of the prices like oh, everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, no, and for sure. I was still growing that shit up here and I was also growing strains like this, like the dog shit. Or um this is a old Hawaiian lemon, but stuff that smells like this, the Malawiano haze. Yeah. I couldn't get a penny more for OG up here. So it's like you always have these people that say, well, OG's so much better than all these other kinds of weed or something. But when the market wasn't, when no one knew what anybody thought anywhere else about weed, no one thought OG was better, much more or less better than any other really well grown good strain. Yeah. You know, it didn't really make a difference. And the market. Didn't really care as much about the strain name or anything. It was, hey, let me yeah. pop the top of the jar. Is this dank weed? I, and in fact, I mean, I feel like people used to value sativas more. It was easier for me to sell sativas because people knew that it took me 11 weeks to flower it. And it's not going to come around as often. It's rare, you know? Yeah. So it was just funny that you would see something doing really well like in your market but it didn't really make a huge difference to people up oh, here yeah, yeah no really good weed was really too. good weed you know yeah um like in the beginning even yeah 
Diamond and all them, even when they were growing the OG just for their head, they were like, well, we can't get more than 4,000 a pound out here for anything. Exactly. It doesn't matter what it is. That's right. People won't pay it. They don't care. They'll just smoke something else. Exactly. Well, especially when the something else well, because you is a have, really well-grown, good yeah, you strain. Guys have, well, bunches of quality of right you, know, you guys have a look at up here there's a lot of forest land and a lot of hidden houses and when you stack with shops and other, pa yeah. cheap power yeah and basements basement shops you know huge buildings and lots of power that you can get and people that don't really seem like it's really private a lot of it so out there where you're sitting even if you're private and you start overdoing shit they're coming to look you know, a lot of mm -hmm. the times. Absolutely. We've seen it happen, you know. Mm -hmm. And out there, it finally became the wild, wild west where people were just growing in tons and tons of houses. But with all the illegal power and, you know, doing that type of growth. But then in L.A., like you said, the raids came, the raids came, the raids came. And then the legalization and then the stores and then none of it's working out anyway there. It doesn't seem like. No, I think people in California are in a really precarious situation on how to survive as a cannabis business, legally or illegally. Yeah. The cost of operating, the cost of power, fires. I mean, you know, how can you afford to run an agricultural business with the positives and negatives that can go with that and survive when your bills don't stop? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think people forget that, like, the Northwest, like, Washington in particular is where indoor growing really started. The first indoor lighting company was in Washington State. The first yeah, HID. Lighting, right? uh, I think it was Bell, and there was, like, Diamond and a couple others, right? I can't remember where all of them were. Yeah, but just... those, the first importer of, like, ballast and stuff, I'm pretty sure was in Washington. And, like, that was the kind of where indoor growing started because you didn't need air conditioning. Yeah, most of it was like sunlight systems and all that. Yeah, sunlight supply. Systems. I mean, the Northwest was kind of where what the mecca of indoor growing. Like, yeah. even if you were from California, there was like you couldn't really get away with outdoor growing in the, like the '90s. I mean, after the '80s, after uh, Operation Green Merchant, growing outdoor was ex extremely difficult and yeah. nearly impossible to get away with due to camp. Up until 1996 when they started doing the medical stuff yeah. and then the counties up there started having like you know remember mendo you could do like 20 plants and they wouldn't fuck with you and yeah. the sheriff said it was cool but it was only like a few counties and if you did any more than that they were coming and if you had diesel and spill a little bit they're coming and it, i mean yeah. it was a whole you couldn't get power really out rough. there yeah. it was you had to really be willing to rough it to be commercial Back then, uh, prior to, I'd say, 2008, you had to really put in a lot of work to be a commercial grower and get away with it in California. But there were lots of guys that had places that had 400, 800 amp barns or old agricultural buildings up in Oregon and Washington. It was just hard to find that type of stuff in California. Just the resources you need were hard. That's why everybody was on generators in Humboldt and everything. Or doing all outdoor sun, you know? Yeah, or outdoor sun, but they'd be under the trees. They'd be tucked in against the stuff. You couldn't just go full open. And pots tied up in the top of trees. Crazy stuff. Yeah. So, you know, anybody that was really serious about commercial, most of them 
ended up indoor because you could really expand and you'd end up you know somewhere north where you don't have to install lots of air conditioning because i mean at least in my memory people prior to i'd say 2005 or 6 air conditioning in people's grows was pretty uncommon in most areas yeah. other than window bangers yeah. you know just window units hooked up some way but most people weren't installing central air conditioning systems to cool their grows. No, even when I set up my first grow with the guys that helped me set up, it was just two window bangers in the back of a garage and then the garage filled with nine lights, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that was, no one really was putting up 50 lighters with 20 tons of cooling back then because it was just hard to, hard explain. to, yeah, hard to explain. <laughs> Hard to find somebody to install the equipment, and then also hard to find a location that can handle that amount of power oh, yeah. and uh, not need fire um, inspections every year or every other year. And it's like, look, I need more than 18 months to get my money back out of this expensive grow I just built that has to hide from everybody. You can't oh, have yeah. the fire department showing up. Hey, we just want to check your sprinklers. Oh, no, you're right about that. I rented a spot in Canoga Park, and it was just... One of those shop businesses, mm -hmm. and I just set up one little tiny room in there with two lights just for a test to do some test runs with some friends. And like two, three months into it, this dude came banging on the door saying, I need to do an inspection. This fire guy, blah, blah, blah. I walked through all the rooms and stuff. So I told him, you know, come about, come tomorrow or whatever. And that, that night I cleaned everything out and left. Yeah. Didn't go back. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it was a waste of time and money. Yeah. Yeah. But that was common. And so a lot of people, like you're saying, try to find a rural area where you, you know, hopefully had a higher power service from some kind of like agriculture business or something that used to be there. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you can have more than 20 lights. But, I mean, having 100 lights in even up till 2008 when Obama did the... um uh, Cole memo yeah. where he said if you're as long as you're legal in your state's medical marijuana laws yeah. that we won't prosecute you federally and that was the first year 2000 I think 06 07 maybe one of the guys in our group of like the CW uh, yeah. crowd cannabis world kind of private uh, forum group yeah. uh, cleared a half acre and everyone was like, you're fucking crazy, dude. Cleared a half acre and put out his, you know, 500 plants or something. The people, though, too, going back to California for a second, hmm? where you're looking at for the 100 lighters, how they were doing that, though, too, in Cali is like, for say, you're running, you're set. Now you have your house, and you've rented six, seven, eight houses. And you keep putting 20 lights at each house, 30 lights at each mm -hmm. house, whatever, with a flip, 15 on this side, 15 on that, or 12 and 12. Yeah. And then you have your people living in all those, but they're still under you where they're getting a certain amount of pay. Yeah. But that's how Cali was ran to try to get those bigger sets of grow. But we never had, like what you're saying, not in, at least in the San Fernando Valley to where we had warehouses going until after yeah. medical came and they're renting them and setting them up. Unless exactly. You were ballsy and setting it up in some place, not that I know of, but... It know, was rare. It was rare. Certain ones, if they were there after yeah. a while, get busted just due to the high power rating. Yeah. I mean, over the years, I've found guys that um, 
that I've met, and they were like, I was running like a hundred lighter in like Huntington Beach in 1998, and I I met a guy. I was uh, like at a bar in Bellingham. I went to um, college up there. Yeah, and I met one of my business partners up there, and uh, we were just like went to a show or something, and we're. Uh, <clears throat> having a beer and like shooting pool and I we ended up playing against these other dudes are there and the guy had just gotten turned around at the border uh, for getting uh, refused entry to Canada they were going like on a fishing trip or something because he had got like busted however many years ago we were just shooting the shit and he actually he was a Bubba he said he was growing Bubba Kush right oh, cool. now right and that was this was probably 2007 or 8 right and he had said he had gotten busted in like 97 or 98 with like 100 lights. And he showed me his um, like return, the like when you try to get into Canada and they give you the reason why yeah. they turned your ass around. He like showed me that and it was like that he had gotten busted for growing back in the, and he had been, it was like, he said it was like 100 lights. And he said it was some shit like that, like fire department or something fucked up happened. I was like, and you know, almost all the guys I know that made it big back then all ended up getting in trouble oh, you yeah. know it was just so hard to to avoid all of the all of the traps have you heard of stephanie landon i haven't okay um she's a lady that she's uh, uh, pot, pot free pot prisoners from jail blah 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 okay okay um well she went to san francisco and got the mayor's approval to set up a grow there when medical and all that first started mm -hmm. set up a hundred hundred and twenty light grow or something there and then within the first couple of weeks of being there a month of being there she got federally raided by the feds there and had to go to federal prison for that and did four years in federal prison over illegal marijuana grow yeah exactly so we know how california is yeah for years they were they would people that were even within their legal limits yeah uh, medically, the feds would still come in, take over the case, and say you're fucked, and yeah. put you in federal prison. Yeah. And yeah, California's bad. I mean, so Washington and Oregon were bad too. I think one of the main differences, though, is that, like you said earlier, you could find a property up here where people would just leave you alone. People are more standoffish up here. Yeah. The neighbors just keep to themselves. Look, if you're not loud and your dog's not barking and shit, you might never meet them in 20 years, <laughs> oh, right? For sure, yeah. And in California, it's just not quite like that, especially not in a in a populated area. No, you know, no, people no. will will keep their ground, but they're watching at you, watching you through the um Blind. exactly. And yeah. up here, if you're not bothering them and you're quiet, there's too many trees in between you for anybody to, you know. Yeah, right there. You never know where you're gonna live because several times when I rented houses, because I like to move around back then. I'm right ride across the street from police officers or up the block from a narcotics officer and seen them at their houses, you know, and knew. It was like, wow, this is how just normal they live too in the cities amongst everybody else yeah it's not like they go live off in some village you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah no they're everywhere yeah yeah <clears throat> um let's see what else should we think about uh so let's um let's talk about john for just a second so how we originally met this would kind of just be a backstory on how we met so I was on Cannabis World. I was doing grow information, mainly just strain related shit. 
and um, you were on there doing your shit like we already discussed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there was this guy whose handle was Paradise Seeds Mod, and his name was John, and I was always weary of him. He was you you were familiar with him and, and kind of did business with him because he kind of he he was he was a good talker and for some reason he knew everybody yeah. i think he just like, like yeah, dm'd everything i think he was like the first person that was like a all day instant direct message person and he would just chat with every person on the internet trying to find let's call them victims yeah right is that a fair yeah. characterization I think he tried to be good at first, like, he tried to be nice to be a friend, but then would use whatever he could to get what he could get, you mm -hmm. know? Like, it would become from being your friend to, to how much can I make off of being your friend and what can I steal from you to make money off of. Mm -hmm. So you are his victim in the end, but he's not approaching it at that as you it's his con in mm -hmm. and then you become his victim yeah like oh i can help you oh i know this i know that i know this i, I know these people person. yeah exactly yeah. and like he told me basically that he worked for gypsy nirvana and right that was that's where he started and that he came back home from there to oregon and that um i was having problems with gnats at my house and he came down and he put lemon juice on the top of my rock wall and they crawled up out of it and stuff. And he's all like, oh, need to get natural and this and that. And we killed the gnats, mm -hmm. you know. And this is was, like, I didn't know what they were at first, you know. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't really on the internet at that point mm -hmm. as much on looking that stuff up. Well, after that, he kind of introduced you to me. He introduced... Myron and this guy James and Diamond. Yeah. And I was trying to get the cut through him to all of you guys even. I even told John to give it to you. I didn't know if you ever did or not or what yeah. happened. But I tried to give them this cut to grow so that I could come back up here and purchase the weed from them at 4000 4500 something like that mm -hmm. to give you guys fair money. Yeah. And then go home with the weed and sell it for my 7,000, 7,200, That was pretty standard practice yeah. back then, in general. That was the yeah. what a lot of people did. And, you know, I made it clear what I needed. And then when I came back up, they had all been growing out that bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> Even yeah, yeah. I gave them the OG. So I don't know what John did with it or why, how these people all got the bubble gum instead of the OG. Yeah. But I didn't end up buying none of the weed. Right. Know? But... After that, I just made friends with everybody through that and kept in contact. And John, like you said, was selling seeds. I ever sent one of my friends up here who's a glass blower, and um, he came up and he bought five thousand dollars worth of seed from John. And none of the seed was good. None of it was what he said. It was yeah. all trash. It was whatever crap he could collect up as cheap as possible and sell. Mm -hmm. And then John just made up made up his own company with his brother which i didn't know he was from new york i didn't know he was half black which doesn't have anything to do with it but right i didn't know anything i didn't know his brother was black when i met him and they they looked totally different and he even contacted me later online telling me 
Hey, I'm sorry about what John did. I still want to work with you and do seeds. And that was Kailua Kid online. I, I believe right? so. Right, because yeah. they basically started Brothel, Brothel Brothers, Brothers Seed Bank yes. or Seed Company, whatever it was. I thought they were different people. I, I, yeah, I just knew John was involved. And by that time, I think we, at least I had, didn't have any involvement with John. You know, I'd already, already knew what he was up to. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, they basically started that company, and that's where the whole ocean-grown story of OG comes from. John and Kailua, then the Kailua kid, and they're talking about how it, John from Grass Valley got the fucking clone, and it's the Thai Mexican something. You remember that story? Fuck, they were posting that. That was like their story, and they were claiming they created OG. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. He... he claimed he created a lot of stuff right like he was saying he's the one that created the chocolate mint bubba and the cherry bubba and that um he had got like what you said ocean grown and i just didn't trust like he lied to riot seeds and riot and them all partnered up too and he took from riot he partnered up with some other people i know he took from them oh he partnered up with rude boy too took from them yeah and then he also partnered up with people on my side that were really bad people that he shouldn't have partnered up with and he took from them yeah and i ended up having to pay people back for him and stuff like that he, he just made a lot of mistakes out there but it was like he was a, a sneaky hustler that was hiding and his brother was cool yeah but he wasn't you know well he, he could get away with that stuff because it was the internet and the circles were so small and everybody was so secretive yeah. because of the nature of everything that, that he could just bounce around and pull all this shit and no one really knew what was going yeah, on no one was sharing with each other yeah. telling hey we just got yeah everybody was yeah exactly clothes. he just took all of our, our gear and then lied to us yeah like i had him in a grow house and he's in there cutting buds off and putting them under the tv and letting them dry yeah. and going down to the bar yeah drinking in the strip bar and trading the buds and doesn't know my friend was partner owns the strip bar mm -hmm. this is how he ends up having to go home from my house yeah and i find out this and i'm like man he's telling people that he has a grow house down the block. How do you go to the bar down the street and talk about what you're doing when we're so secretive? Right. You know, he just had that mouth on him and sharing everything. He did, and, for sure. And then he was cutting clones out of the house and selling clones to people. And I have no idea he's cutting clones from my plants and, you know, going to the post office and mailing them off and doing whatever he wanted. Yeah trading and all that stuff and then being like oh look i got this new plant or i got this or i got these seeds like the blackberry seeds we'll get to that one yeah those came from him the blackberry seeds that, which one the, the ones that i made purple the, rhino the to the cross to the purple rhino to make the blackberry kush got it well the blackberry seeds i don't know if they are black russian or blackberry or what because john gave those seeds to me so yeah he traded and he got them from a partner who stole them from Naboo where they bred them mm -hmm. and this and that. So, but Naboo said it never happened. So I yeah. don't know uh, the, what the real story is on that. I just know that who having knows? a good yeah. flavor 
And it had great flavor. flavor yeah. And I went after the flavor to try to make it a stronger, better tasting because it was a loose plant. And that's why I bred it with uh, blackberry because it had the more structure, mm -hmm. trying to give it a better structure so that we could get more solid nugs off of it. And yep. it came out good. And that's how, you know, the blackberry got out. And I just ended up giving people cuts of that. I didn't sell tons of that seed, I, you know. Just ended up passing the cut out mainly and mailed out seeds of that to people. Yeah, for sure. Um, here's the story on it that was the John and Kailua kid fake story, right? <laughs> so in late 93, John from Grass Valley got the chem dog cut. He shared it with me, Jerry Cowboy from Dibble Creek, California, and Harold Putz from Sunset Beach, California. Putz had a mail he called the secret ingredient. It was a cross of lemon tie and old world packy kush. Putz bred the secret ingredient to the chem dog and blah, 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 right? So this is ocean-grown Kush, bro, and that's what... And it's this whole story that John fucking basically wrote. Oh, yeah, John. And that was their bullshit story that was like the whole brothel bros, Kailua kid shit that's basically confused people ever since. And it's just funny that also that the person that that did all that shit is the person that you knew but even though you knew where the clone actually came from it's like yeah. you know john could have actually like tried to play the real story with you and and got like we could have known all this 20 years ago yeah, you know? been, we could have went into business and he was good at what he did if he worked into the right form of things instead of working that could have been a real story yeah, <laughs> but he was he, he was able to breed seeds and do things but he just took his ventures the wrong way. Well, he'd get other people to do the work, like you said. You know, he'd have yeah. diamond making seeds for him, and he'd take them and not pay for them. Or, yeah, that's Or true whoever too. else, or anybody he could find to do work. Because he was trying to get me to do that shit. I was like, what the fuck I need you for? You know, I'm, I'm already growing. Yeah, well, like, that's you know. how Myron, too, helped me when I took plants to him, and I gave him all the clones for the blackberry. Yeah. I gave him the S, the, the um, STS yeah. that I made and sent it to him ready. All you had to do was spray. Sprayed one, put it on there. I got the seeds from him, gave him the money back for using his room. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I have, I have, yeah. I have no problem with... No. You want to pay to get a service done, yeah. and and yeah. everybody is is uh, compensated. compensated. Yeah, but John, he'd get the shit and never pay nobody. Yeah, he'd con people and say, "I'm going to do all this. I'm going to say all this. I'm going to we're going to split it, and, and I'm going to get a hundred dollars a pack or whatever lie he'd probably yeah. tell them, right? And uh, and then just take it and and basically dip on them and burn his bridge and. Oh, keep keep moving. Over. I mean, that's why he. That's why I thought he was uh, reputable because he was Paradise Seeds mod and he yeah. was the moderator of Paradise Seeds' yeah. forum. So I figured Paradise Seeds knows this guy. He must be like somewhat legit, yeah. you know. Well, I saw they that. got him a moderator. I you saw know that too. And then yeah. they told me he worked for Gypsy. So I'm like, wow, you know. Then yeah. when I finally called Gypsy, they were like. Oh, he's a piece of shit. Gypsy threw him in the river right there, the canal. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, oh, yeah, he was stealing from here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Standard. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's go into... Um, all right, we did the, the banana OG, which is like in all the hash. It's Sagamartha 6040 crossed with OG. Um and uh you know basically you put it you and three c's put out 
the first OG Kush S1s, theoretically, yeah. right? Yeah. Yours were exactly what they were because Golden Eyes made them and was only using those cuts, right? And yeah, then 3Cs made some, but they were all hermaphroditic. They were all hermaphroditic. For some reason. She so, made her seeds with gibberellic acid, some jib acid mix that she made right there. She had already been able to... Be successful. Be successful in making seeds that were S1s. And when he made them, I think he tried something else, the STS or whatever. That I might. think he used Hybes Elite X Elite, yeah, which was and, being sold on Heaven's Stairway. Yeah, and... and um, OG was really one of those plants that was stubborn at first to reverse. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the stuff that she made worked well. We grew them all out first to test them and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and from those S1s, I'm assuming just like the sour, the blackberry, all these other things you were working on, which there are very few, very few people that were really making seeds and growing through populations at that time. That's why you became so kind of famous and still to this day your creations have had a big impact on a lot of other people's genetics is because it's very rare that someone puts in that time and work and and what you find when you put in that work are building blocks for potentially next generation or a lot of other people yeah and so you know you kept some of those ogs ones and those all got renamed depending on what club they ended up. Triple X, Private Reserve, SFV, Diablo. The, yeah. the Diablo, you said, was Reseda um, well, RDC. Well, what happened with the Private Reserve OG okay. is there was uh, a banana OG cross that we did. And we grew a plant of it out. The flavor was just phenomenal. It was like more OG but there was like a hint of banana in it and it was just really really frosty and really good well it was plant number seven or whatever uh, that's the private reserve yeah John ended up killing that not telling me and then taking another plant that was one of the sours that was a New York City diesel cross that I had there and fucking wrote the name on that block and left, sorry left it at my house when after all this stuff went down and they kicked him out and they yeah. asked him where the plants were, he was like, this is it right here. But he killed off the actual triple XOG. Got it. And the trip, or, or, or the, the private, private reserve. reserve. Yeah. Sorry, the private reserve yeah. OG. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so that didn't get out there then? That plant went out as that because I didn't know at that time. Got it. it. Yeah, so yeah. It was so he mislabeled it, and yeah, then it so was, that sour OG ended up becoming those, the prior yeah, reserve. Yeah, sour OGs ended up makes sense, the right? That's reserve. why people would think it's a different cut. Yeah. Right, and and of course all these cuts can get mixed up down the line because we know how many times they dispensaries get, change the name changes. because it's like oh private reserve we already have some of that on the shelf so this is going to be yeah. something else now. The triple X was that an S one? At least what you did and put out. Yeah. That was an S one. Yeah. Okay. Um, SFV. Was an S one. S one. Um, and also the original because. Also, I, so the because it would be a rename, yeah. Because they rename, yeah. Yeah. I give it to clubs like one of the clubs like RDC and um, Soho, mm -hmm. and. The San Fernando Valley, they both had tables that were these giant tables that just had the plugs in them. So they could hold, you know, 1,000, 1,200 plugs at a time mm -hmm. on each side. And they would fill these tables up with the cuts and then sit there and push them out. So if they're not going out fast, 
They're going to change the name a little bit. Mm -hmm. and then they're going to continue to push out the recall. Right. So you either sold them a, a yeah. cut of one or the other, but yeah. who knows what they what ended up putting on the yeah. shelf. Yeah, you get the SFV, and maybe it was because they had, it was popular, and then they cut the other one. They had the SFV that was the S1. And then they have the mother of the OG right there. Mm -hmm. They'll cut that and call it the SFV the next week because it was selling faster than the yeah. original OG. Well, and not only was all of that happening in L.A., but then you had all the people around the world that bought OG seeds. Yeah. And then you also have the people that were buying pounds, right? Yeah. Like Rude Boy who popped the Rude, yeah. popped the Irene. Irene. Or like my buddy Chris, the real OG Cushman that popped the Poison. Or like yeah. me that popped the Face Off seed from early yeah. 2000s backseat, late 90s, early 2000s backseat. All the same. It You know, all these different OG cuts are either backseeds, S1s, or even just the original cut renamed. Yeah. And trying to decipher which cut is which is nearly impossible unless you basically held the thing for 20 years, right? Yeah, and then the worst part is when they DNA all of them. They all have the same DNA patterning in them. Well, and I think Caleb from CSI Humboldt sent uh, a clone of something and then an s1 like a direct s1 yeah. that he made and it, i can't remember if he told me that they said it was the same clone or that it was something different i think he said that it was the same clone so it's like he he knows for a fact that it's the original clone like let's say yeah. mendo perp just for the argument here and a mendo perp s1 number seven yeah submitted both of those samples to phylos and they said it's both Mendo perp. Yeah. yeah. So if your gene sequencing isn't precise enough and it's just short short sequence. Almost every OG is going to match. There probably will as long as they're an S1 of itself, at least based on whatever limited information we have yeah. with gene testing currently they're, available. Yeah, they were showing something, say someone had sent in like several different OGs mm -hmm. and the original cut of OG and it all matched back to original. That, on Phylos as well. Yeah, and that's Phylos. what I'm, and that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's like, like, it's either all the same cut or it's all S1s, yeah. but it's basically the same thing. Yeah, but yeah. it seems like their gene testing isn't as strong as it should be for what it should show back. Right. And so, like, you know, you got Swerve with his whole original story of SFV and Tahoe OG. I mean, his original claim was that he had gotten a clone from Tahoe of someone that was, which OG clones ended up in Tahoe, but he's saying that I think if I, I'd have to go on, look up, you know, nondescript uh, IC mag yeah. uh, archives basically and go look up the old post when he used to post as Mr. X and stuff. But, you know, he was claiming the SFV. I mean, you remember when there was the other handle unregistered and he was claiming that guy was the guy that bred OG? And this all happened, I know like unregistered. It's okay, or 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 if it wasn't unregistered, it was someone else that was, you know. He's but, one of Swerve's buddies, right? So that would maybe make sense as well, yeah, he was you one know. Swerve's growers back then, but um, but I think you remember when Swerve first came online to IC Mag, and this was like two thousand and six. He was growing um, like Rainbow something, Red Diesel, Garberville Purple Kush, uh, no OG though. Right, it yeah. may be a Bubba or something like that, right? Yeah. And he wasn't talking about them, and other than buying them and smoking them, that I remember. And this is when he was Mister X. What do you kind of remember of all that? I look in the very, very beginning of all of this. I don't remember seeing not one person online anywhere talking about OG or Bubba. 
until after the fact that I released S1 seeds of it and gave out clones of it. I never heard of it. Everyone called me a liar about it, said it didn't exist, said it wasn't real, said it's the strain's fake. And then after it's been out everywhere, it seems like it's real and it's everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. And people are using it in everything. But before then, Swerve, all that, I never seen none of these guys putting nothing online about none of this. Well, and not only that, but you are in the same local area. Never, we know we know where OG came from. Your your lineage of your, what, the work that you've done ties up with the people that we do know it came yeah. from. Josh and that crew, right? Yeah. Were any of these other guys part of that crew or, or ancillaries that any of these guys knew, you know? No. it's Because if it wasn't, if they weren't, and they're, and they're not claiming these guys were, then what, is there some other completely different group that um, Bubba gave OG to and Swerve's part of that crew or something? It's, like, highly unlikely in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, not, like, unless... Like, they sold a tray of cuts to someone or something like that. But again, it would trace back. It would have to trace back, yeah.